Hello, Angel, listening to FPCast, the podcast for fruitless pursuits where we bullshit about the week in pop culture. I'm Luke. And I'm Jacinta. And this week we're talking about. Movies, movies, television, television Robin Lamps. Ugh. You know, like Will Smith does that? Yeah. He goes, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, he does it twice before a uh, friend like me even really kicks in properly. I was listening to it uh, isolated this morning uh-huh. without watching the clip, just mm-hmm. hearing the song. Yeah. And, um, mm. or should I say, <laughs> None of that was as bad as, like, when the, the credits song comes up and it's, like, within two seconds, like, DJ Khaled! And I'm like, oh, no! No, 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 no! Yeah, so you're thinking, like, oh, this is a worse version of Friends Like Me, and then there's a worse, worse version of Friends Like <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah, it's like a Russian nesting doll of horrible bullshit. And when I went on Spotify today to listen to the original version, the Robin Williams version, mm. on the soundtrack, the two uh, Robin Williams songs are blacked out. Like, mm. they don't have the rights. You can't listen to oh. them. So the rest of the soundtrack's there on Spotify, but yeah. not those. Okay. And I thought for a moment... Disney just done that. They've just erased him. <laughs> just, just for this couple of weeks so yeah, people maybe. don't go back and listen to the yeah. original. Mm. But uh, I did watch it on YouTube. So I had a few moments of Aladdin comparison this mm-hmm. morning. So obviously we're talking about Aladdin. We saw Disney's live action remake and we'll be uh, doing a full review of that very shortly. Also a bit of news trailers uh what to watch challenge we're still in costume designers for that today is edith head and then we're going to go into a spoiler filled rant perhaps about the finale of game of thrones Mm. i feel like i feel like complaining about game of thrones is just so like last week so perhaps a discussion. Let's not let's not rant. It's the last oh, one ever. Oh, we're not going to rant. It's, We've been very pro Game of Thrones compared be... to our yeah. peers. Have yeah, we not? Yes, I think that is safe to say. Um, but but yes. we'll we'll get there. We'll, we will get. There. We have thoughts, as everybody has thoughts. Mm. We have thoughts. Mm. We will share them. I've just realised the trailer that I've left off the list, which is the most important trailer of the year for you. Oh yeah! Uh, we'll talk about that too. <gasps> Yeah, I got even. I nearly forgot. <laughs> I just, I just went into like when I was watching it. I just went to this blackout mode of pure bliss, yes. and then just the rest of the week just fell away from me. Yeah. Yeah. News first. Okay. There's some a little bit of Star Wars news. Actually, there was the Vanity Fair Star Wars issue, which mm. is always something uh, really to look forward to. It's mm. been happening since Phantom Menace. And it's a chance for Annie Leibovitz to get out the old camera mm, and be a the, right regular shutterbug. Yeah, I bought the uh, Attack of the Clones Vanity Fair. Wow. Mm. I have the two... I think that's the only one that I've actually <laughs> actually got. I went really hard. Like, I think Attack of the Clones was the first time that I'd graduated high school, I had some money, and I was spending money <laughs> on all Attack of the Clones stuff. And... Um, yeah, look, it made me happy at the time. Let's, that that was, you know, it was successful. I, I did that on Phantom Menace. I yeah. had an inflatable Jar Jar Binks chair. Okay. Yeah, I had a yeah. lot of stuff. 
Yeah. But um, I've got the Vanity Fair, Force Awakens, and Last Jedi, so I'll have to keep an eye out for this one. Again, the photos yeah, are I beautiful. Have... There's some really amazing images there that get me excited. Yeah, I think maybe I have... I've got one of them. It must be the Force Awakens one. I really like Poe and... Um, no, the, the one of... Actually, the one of... Uh, oh, there's the Poe in the cockpit with I like, Lando. I like Finn on the big horsey boy. Yeah, but Finn on that the horse. That was the best one. It was very, very cool. I was kind of flicking, going, oh, yeah, I guess. And even the Poe one, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. And then I got to that one, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm here for this. I'm yeah. here for this. There's an element, I'm not going to spoil anything, but that I'm excited about, which is kind of teased by the shot of Kylo and Rey fighting. Mm. There's something I've uh, heard about that. There's shots of um, the Knights of Ren. Mm-hmm. And from what I've heard and what I've seen, I'm going to be kind of cryptic, but it does look like it's really closely tying into Force Awakens and those things that Abrams set up that mm. we're going to really see how they play out. And um, some of those concepts that he did about how the Force works and raised connection to the Force, I think we're going to see play out uh, in large scale so really looking forward to that but uh, also people are excited that there is supposedly a movie trilogy in development based on Knights of the Old Republic mm. that was a video game from some time ago now uh, well, seri- which spawned a series of games and that's kind of a very fertile ground and a bit of a no brainer it's a time when there are lots of Jedis everywhere lots of Sith everywhere huge civilizations and um, mm. just a very fertile ground for adventure and all the lightsabers you can imagine. Yeah, though I do wonder if, like... But, and people have been asking for this forever. Like, every yeah. time they announce any Star Wars, when are we getting Knights of the Republic? But they're going to get it and then they're going to hate it. Oh, of course they will. Like, so... They'll have, just... they'll have notes. <laughs> they're like, oh, well, this doesn't go... You know, this goes against the storyline of this particular video game. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 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 I, I imagine they'll just use that setting, and I'd be very surprised yeah. if they draw upon any of the mm. characters, really, from the games. Mm. But uh, that's it, like, a couple of thousand years before A New Hope, I think, so mm. enough distance that hopefully they can do what they want without uh, getting into trouble. No, they can't. Yeah. You know they can't. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, did you see this? I only read this this morning. Mm. That Sebastian Stan. Mm-hmm. Now, is he? You, you like Sebastian Stan? I do. He's a is good he boy. trustworthy? Should we believe what he says, or should we take it with a, a big old grain of salt? I think it depends on the context of the the situation. Actors are liars. Yes, they are. By nature. I mean, if, like, okay, if it was Tom Holland saying shit, believe him because he can't keep a secret. Yes. But I feel like Sebastian Stan probably would be more interested in um, putting out false information. He says that Black Widow solo film is set between Civil War and Infinity War. Okay. Which does address the idea of, you know, if it's a prequel, do we go so far back that we have to de-age everyone? It's Mm. like, oh, no, well, then we don't have to de-age everyone for that. So that's safe ground. Mm -hmm. I don't disbelieve him. I still have my theories that it's a bit of a sequel. Mm. I'm sure they wouldn't just announce that it's a sequel because then they would have to say that Black Widow's alive and I'm sure they Mm. don't want to do that. If it's true. But I, I just think it's weird that to go into phase... What is it? Phase five? Mm. To go into phase five with a film that goes backwards and is nestled into phase mm. three, four. That feels strange to me. Like, I, I don't see why they're doing anything where they're not moving forward. Yeah. Oh, they're just dropping uh, disinformation and mm. just, just to keep people scrambling. But maybe part of the movie will be before, maybe part of the yeah. movie will be after. Who knows? Yeah. So I just hope that we get a release date soon. We know that there are 
two Marvel movies planned for next year, according to the Disney release dates, except we do not know what they are. Mm. It's a mystery. So is it like... Because you think, okay, if Sebastian Stan is dropping that news, then obviously there's there's previous, like, Black Widow, uh, Winter Soldier stuff, but that would have happened before. It's like, that would have happened well in the past. So if there's, you know, flash, flash, flashbacks and he's involved in that, then cool. But I don't know, maybe this is going to be skipping around everywhere. Who knows? I think it's just going to be her bleaching her hair. Yep. For a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you know, after we got dragged into the cinema three times for John Thinking Wick... Thinking that was going to be it. Yes. We were going to get the trilogy, and quite, that was it. I quite enjoyed that last one. Yeah. John Wick's back, baby. Yeah. John Wick 4. Here is a studio. I don't know what the studio is or a production company mm. that are really in the John Wick business. Mm. It's kind of their sore now isn't yeah, it like yeah. where they just go yeah. oh yeah great this is working let's do another one yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be just become fast and furious where it just goes stranger and stranger every john time. wick tokyo drift yeah well he has done a bit of globe trotting mm. in this last one yeah. so i'm hoping that he gets off world at some point i'm mm-hmm. still hoping for john wick in mm. space yeah. space wick mm. he hears that the russians are like sending dogs into space and he just loses it oh my god yeah. yes so he mm. goes up to try and save the dog yeah. Yeah. But then he gets lands up stranded on an alien planet. Yep. And befriends... Ruled by dogs. A space dog. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like a vicious space dog yeah. with lots of legs. Like that, um... It, it's John Carter's oh, space dog. Oh, shit. Two Johns. Yeah, right. Two dogs. Out all of space. Mm. Oh, fuck. Yeah, okay, now I'm keen. John Wick 4, John Carter's space dog. <laughs> Can't wait. And they shoot lasers. Oh, my God, he would do amazing things with lasers. Because he wouldn't have to reload the lasers. No. Well, I did like him reloading. Mm. Maybe I have to put a battery in them occasionally. Maybe, like, he just, like, fires, like, 500 shots and then has to change the battery. Okay. That'd yeah, be maybe. amazing. I don't even think that's decent battery life for space, but... Uh, I don't know. I imagine lasers would take up a lot of juice. Yeah, but, you know, technically... Te- technological advance. Although John Carter just ran around in his... Uh, Undercrackers, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, so it wasn't that advanced. <laughs> uh, trailers. They're a thing. Mm. Terminator. Dark Fate. Now, I'm led to believe this is a Terminator that ignores Terminator 3 onwards. So, no word, though. This is a sequel to Terminator 2. Okay. Well, that's good, because I don't remember any of them. I don't, well, even, I don't even think I've seen the first Terminator film. I've seen the second one about a million times. They don't want you to remember any yeah. of them. Like, if you start posting about, oh, in Terminator 3, when James Cameron will come around to your house mm. and... Stick your head down the toilet and flush... Flush the memories yeah. out of your head yeah. in the dunny. That's what will happen. Because he's back as producer. And Iron Jim, James Cameron, he does not put up with any shit. Linda Hamilton is back. I think. <laughs> yes. It was a, it was an old lady with sunglasses in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Linda Hamilton for a while, so I wasn't 100% sure. You can probably trust that that's Linda Hamilton, yeah. Schwarzenegger's back, very briefly. Mm-hmm. His Terminator's grown a beard. Yeah. Did you see that clip during the week that he got, like, fly-kicked at some fan event thing? Didn't even notice. No, he didn't. Like, he just thought somebody had jostled him from behind, and this guy had literally launched himself and fly-kicked him in the back of the head. He thought it was an actual fly. Yeah. And just brushed it off. So I bet that, like, dickhead feels really good about himself now, that he's so ineffectual that uh, Arnie was just like, what What has someone brushed past me today? Well, was he really ineffectual, or was Schwarzenegger just actually made out of metal? 
probably. Maybe a little of column A, a little of column B. Don't. Don't go there. It's too soon. <laughs> you ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> so, yeah, this is Terminator. Lots of... Uh, trying to remind you of Terminator 2, basically, mm. because it's got some liquid metal shenanigans yep. and it's got a uh, little sequence I like to call faffing around on the freeway. Mm. Smashing cars together. Trucks together. Mm. What do you think about... I don't know. Like, remember when Terminator 2 came out? The effects mm. were so revolutionary. Yeah, and you really. looked I was at a bit it, young, but yes. and, and you were like, "Wow, yeah. you know, morphing technology. This is yeah. the future. Everyone's gonna morph into mm. everything else." Mm. Like, and you didn't even like morphing technology was so great that you didn't even know when you were watching a movie if the characters were gonna morph into characters from another movie. Mm-hmm. You were like, "I'm watching Ghostbusters 2, but am I gonna be watching Gremlins three? Like halfway through it, mm-hmm. these people were just more. Even Michael Jackson was morphing. He like morphed into Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, had a great time. Mm. Spent <laughs> spent <laughs> three months in a spent a whole Christmas home alone. Mm-hmm. Ah! Uh, what am I talking about? I don't know. Morphing technology. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, even though our technology is a lot better now, mm. when the metal sort of goes back to flesh and it's just that dude standing there. Yeah. I just don't feel any connection between the CGI character and the actor standing there. It's just like an actor with a cartoon on top of him. Mm. Yeah, and there's that little that little clip where the guy's got like a pole or something and goes and like cuts the girl's arm and it doesn't look like, it looks more real, that guy in Terminator 2 walking through the bars of the prison than it does this woman getting a scratch on her arm. Like, it's... How, how did we go... I don't know. It's gone almost uncanny valley t- t- trying to achieve realism. I don't know. It's that thing that... Like, all the superhero movies are doing it too, and it's something I don't like, that kind of just f- quickly flicking out the CGI character over the top of the actor. Hmm. And it never looks real. Like, you never feel that Ant-Man's helmet is a real thing. Mm. Like, you do once he's wearing it, Mm. but when it flips over him, or Black Panther suit flips in and out, it just doesn't feel remotely Mm. real. I I want Basically, what I'm saying is I want to see more extended sequences of characters getting changed. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was a big part of Superman's deal Mm -hmm. back in the day. You know, he would have to find a spot. He's oh, I really want to save that kid, but I can't because I'm not in my suit. I want to, and Spider-Man as well. He had to deal with that. I don't want to see Spider-Man CGIing all over the place. How does he throw that in the bin for Spider-Man? No more. Um, Puts it on. Just throws, just throws a USB in the bin. Yeah. My suit's on that USB. Hmm. Good luck finding that again. When well, you, he would have he'd have bracelets, wouldn't he? In he'd the have third like act. Tony Starky bracelets. Yeah, and it'll just like yeah, pops yeah. out over the top of him. Yeah. Yeah, that's bullshit. I want to see characters in confined spaces uh, struggling in, into their genes. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, where did I put my home? Fuck, oh, I'll put it on backwards. Mm. That would be much okay. better. Yeah, so, yeah, cool. so Terminator, mm, I mean, we'll see it, but I wanted more. I don't know what I wanted from Terminator. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Terminator's not a franchise. I was, I'm particularly invested in, really. Why do you wear all these Terminator t-shirts? Because I, I got them cheap from AliExpress. <laughs> Why are you wearing that Terminator trucker cap <laughs> right now? Keeps my head warm. Why have you got that red LED in that one lens of your glasses? I'm wearing glasses today. Yeah, you are. From my duck son. Yeah. 
They're probably like they're probably some weird, cheap, shitty Chinese uh, metal on the the bands. You're gonna take them off, and your skin's gonna slough off behind your ears. Yeah, and then I'll look like a more realistic Terminator. Mm. So take that, Jimmy Iron Jim Cameron man. All right, what about the other trailer? Go on. <sighs> okay, so. There is a Downton Abbey movie coming this year, which is very fucking exciting, and it is not a stretch to say that I'm actually probably uh, equally, if not marginally more excited about this movie than I am about any of the other big franchise movies this year. Get the fuck out. No, this is so good, man. Um, and they dropped the trailer the other day, and, like, it doesn't, like, obviously, it doesn't show you much. It gives you an idea of the storyline. The king and queen are coming to Downton, which, you know, seems weird because there's the whole, uh, the, the downturn of the stately home thing, and nobody has any staff anymore, but that's fine. I don't oh, really No, care. but the synopsis I read, that was the whole deal. That was the, the, the premise. Oh. Was that they're coming, and mm. it's like, oh, fuck, we've got a royal visit. But oh, we, we don't, don't have, have the. Oh, we don't okay. have our normal stuff. Yeah. We we have to make ends meet. Yeah, we're, okay. we're actually not how we used to run. Mm. So how are we going to pretend that we are running like that? Ah, right. So there okay. you go. I mean, the trailer mm. didn't make that particularly clear, but mm. that that's the synopsis. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense because the you know the last couple of episodes of the final season does uh, sort of start that wind down of the of the super old rich people in, in England. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the thing. Every time one of the characters got into a bit of a scandal, like Mary with a magical vagina <laughs> luring all the men with its siren's call. <laughs> yes. And then people would try and blackmail her. Yeah. I'm going to blackmail you. I'm going to draw a picture of your fanny and send it into the Times, Mary. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And every time uh, you think, oh, shit, old Daddy Grantham's going to hit the fucking roof when mm. he finds out about this, yeah. they'd finally tell him and it'd be like oh well times are changing mm. don't worry we'll make it right and it was like oh okay well you know this isn't the downtown i remember mm. i remember when uh you know carson used to shit himself if he put the wrong spoon yeah well i mean after i feel like after daddy grantham um spat blood over an entire dinner party oh, he fuck. just he knew that you know life was short you only live once and you know what if if your daughter wants to cut her hair off and fuck around, then you know what. It, How it doesn't are they matter. Gonna top a climactic moment like <laughs> Daddy Grantham's spewing blood all over that table. That was the most unbelievable moment of the whole series. Oh, it was so cool. Crap. I hope there's a gif of that. Yeah. I'm gonna look for that straight after. Yeah, but um, yeah. Look, all the all the familiar faces are back. Very exciting to see. Um, what do you reckon that the over unders are on? old lady Grantham dying in this one she has to die right well we know that it sets up some pretty interesting conundrums Mm. and questions in the trailer Uh we know it's not easy for to take off a hat Mm. like you know because it's quite an elaborate hat Mm. she can't lift her arms over her her shoulders we know she's they're not going to take any piffle Mm mm-hmm uh, this is a, totally, this movie's going to be a piffle-free zone. Mm-hmm. If any of the royals, any of their staff come in mm-hmm. and want to play up the piffle, yep. well, they're going to no, be right out on their ear. Yep. Uh, I think that's, that might be all that I picked <laughs> up from that. But, mm. yeah. yeah. No, I reckon she'll die. I, what I, the bit that intrigues me, actually, about the trailer is um, they're all a bit, oh, the royal staff are coming around here, taking over everything, doing mm. everything. Well, let's get a little bit of revenge on them. I think they're going to play some... Uh, some, some pranks, pranks. Mm. and we're going to see some very stiff upper lips uh, get slapped around a little mm. bit. We're going to see some uh, 
jaws dropping and some eyes boggling and I reckon some real uh, breaches of etiquette are going to mm. happen and uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a goat in the dining room or something like yeah. that at one point. Yeah, right. Yeah, or right. Uh, Mary's Franger um, <laughs> pops up again. They're setting up that uh, old old Brano might uh, set up a bit of love with the, the lady's maid or the you know one of the women in the royal thing, which um, in the final season there, there was the suggestion that he was going to you know kind of hook up with Edith's deputy editor. That obviously didn't last long. Well, she was well, boring, maybe. She was, like, friends with Edith, so she can't have been that good. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen, but we'll be there mm. opening night. So exciting. With our, um, I'm going to bring my butler. I'm yeah. going to eat uh, popcorn out of a big silver <laughs> cloche. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And, I uh, wonder if it's going to be, like... It's going to be chicks at the flicks. Oh, absolutely. But, like, are they going to have heaps of... Really dumb cameos. Like, are they just they're just gonna call, put the call out to all the British acting industry and go? Do you want to be in the movie? And yeah. they'll have like, you know, like James Corden will be a roast <laughs> yeah. in, yes, in and, one of the feasts. Yes, and like um, Jason Statham will be like a gardener or something. You're right. It's just a queen, you fucking muppet. <laughs> yeah. Speaking yeah. of Jason Statham, that's as mm-hmm. good a. Uh, segue as any because mm-hmm. you kind of have to be reminded at the end of Aladdin that Guy Ritchie directed this uh. thing and you just think what the fuck are you doing Guy Ritchie mm. like why this and where are you in this film like it's very hard to find Guy Ritchie in this film for me oh I think all those weird slow-mo-y time changey bits and they were my least favorite bit of the movie I feel like if Jason Statham had been the genie, maybe we had something. Mm -hmm. But as it is, Aladdin is a real mixed bag. Mm. So where do we even begin? Um, What what about its reason for being? We know its reason for being is money. Yes. We know that Cinderella did really well and Mm. then Jungle Book did reasonably well. Beauty and the Beast did very, very well. Mm. So they're going to do this. But... I'm not opposed to remakes, reboots, or whatever. You still have the original. But often they get made when the original has dated to a point where it's a barrier for new audiences. Where you go, oh, you know, it's this great premise and great idea and there's great songs, but it's actually kind of impenetrable for someone Mm. young today because Mm -hmm. it's dated or it's problematic, etc. But I don't think Aladdin has fallen into that yet. Like I, I still think it holds up. And the problem with this is there's so many points where you're actually just thinking about things. Like, you're thinking about the difference. You're thinking about, oh, they're doing it this way. I remember when the animated movie did it this way, Mm. and I actually really missed that element. And and I think the passion wasn't there. Like, I didn't feel Guy Ritchie's passion for it. I didn't feel any of the performances were massively passionate. I think there's some um, quite competent leads and... Jafar's a bit of a disappointment, and Will Smith's filling in shoes that are, that are far too yeah. big for him. You know, taking on a very beloved role and adding some oohs in it. Uh, he does what he can, but there's also something about it for me where it's like, yeah, you're just a little bit old and weird for this now. Mm. Um, but when you think about Aladdin being made the first time, there's so much passion in it, and everything was being invented from scratch. Like, they were... 
coming up with all these designs and you have we know with all the Disney animated movies you have a lead animator on each of the characters so every character really has a something to do and has a lot of personality and distinct movement and everything is fresh and new and exciting and this time it can't be anything other than a a cover song mm. and a kind of listenable but ultimately bland cover song that makes you yeah. go I kind of want to watch listen watch both the original yeah I'd uh, a couple of weeks ago they put up a about 30 second film clip of not 30 second clip of um the sort of start of the Prince Ali parade section and I thought no like oh I'll watch this this will be great this will kind of get me excited for the movie and I watched it and just went oh god it just feels so I don't know empty and, and soulless as that scene goes on it sort of fills out a little bit more and gets a little bit better but um yeah just this clip they put up was just like Ugh, yuck and I've I haven't seen Dumbo but all the other live actions I've seen I really liked including Cinderella which I know a lot of people were a bit lukewarm on the reviews had been coming out that at first people were like, it's pretty shit, and then other people would go and see it and go, oh, no, actually, it was, it's quite good. I kind of enjoyed it, and I liked Will Smith and that. So they've been really 50-50 that I've seen, and so I expected to kind of go in and go, oh, look, you know, it wasn't that bad. Like, you know, I, I had stuff that I enjoyed about it, but I didn't really. Like, there wasn't a lot that I enjoyed. I liked Jasmine. I thought she had a really uh, very strong singing voice, better than whoever played Aladdin. Um, Will Smith was fine. Again, he's, he's got huge shoes to fill and he can't do that, but he was never going to be able to, really. And Will Smith as a person is likeable enough to kind of get you through the film, but it just doesn't feel that... I don't know. They, they tried really hard, but you can just never get that magic of the original. And I think something like Cinderella remaking that when it's so much about... I guess, human characters and this story being so much about magic and fantasy and, and things that lend themselves so, so much better to animation, it was always going to be tricky to make it seem, like, real, bring it into the real world. Yeah, I think there is something lost in translation there. I, I didn't really enjoy Will Smith that much, I've got to say, and I think part of it is because he's not bringing anything new to it. Hmm. You know, if I have sat and imagined what Will Smith would do in this role, complete with the rapping and the oohs and all that sort of stuff, that is exactly what I get. Mm. And when he tries to throw in that versatility and do a couple of character voices and stuff, I just don't feel it's his comfort zone. He's more comfortable being that Will Smith persona mm. than he is going in and out of all these characters. Now... Obviously, when Robin Williams did the genie, he was very Robin Williams. Mm. He, you could say the same thing. But the freshness came from the fact that that was a huge turning point at Disney at that time where they brought a celebrity in and let them do anachronistic jokes and stuff and, mm. and let them be a really big comedy role. Mm. Because it's a pantomime in terms of the structure where you have the two male-female leads who are relatively bland and safe every day people mm. and then you have the big supporting characters and the genie sort of acts like the dame in a way mm. so you know they really let robin williams roll and you know that changed disney forever really because yeah. then you've got you know eddie murphy is the dragon in mm. Mulan and, and things like that um, whereas you don't really have that kind of comedy character to that extent in things like little mermaid and beauty and the beast beforehand mm. 
But yeah, a lot of it's dialed down where it should have been really dialed up. Like I noticed that in the musical numbers, because if you listen to the originals, you have those protagonists playing it quite straight. And then you just have the wildest character voices for all of the people in the street. Mm. Whereas when you listen to even just the soundtrack of this one, those character voices are really quite played down. They're played pretty straight. And in some instances, things that the genie did in the original are just given to the chorus of extras. Mm. Like uh, in the Ali Barbwa one, he... Um, does the thing about oh, the backup singers do a thing about the zoo hmm. whereas in the original robin williams turns into a cheetah and then a goat and does the lines in two different character voices hmm. and it's so much more charming so yeah just different choices and they don't always click i mean i don't see the reason to update it beyond obviously jasmine has more agency yeah. than she did in the original which is a, a good thing and makes sense and they've done a nice tweak to that yeah but there's still something a little bit about that that just feels a little bit constructed shoehorny tokeny in at the end yeah. it's like look i i like that i like that they've made yeah. that choice but it doesn't feel like i don't know i don't know it doesn't feel that genuine i wonder if it would to a child i don't know mm. i mean because that that's the other thing when you transpose it from animation in animation all the characters are ciphers for real people and they can either be very economically presented humorous stereotypes or, or whatever mm. um and the things about being yourself and not pretending to be somebody else and all that sort of stuff which are quite obvious and on the nose probably translate better in animation mm. told through animated characters but when you have actual adult actors saying these things to each other mm. it, it becomes a lot sort of cheesier for an adult to watch at least yeah i mean a child might still be and you know it, it, it was more of a children's movie for sure and of, that might sound redundant to say that but I, I say that in the sense that most of what Disney brings out these days, whether it's animated or whatever, has tended to be for a really wide audience. Like, it should be jokes and levels for everybody, mm. and they want the largest possible audience. Whereas, I can't imagine I would watch this again. Um, no. Whereas, no. I can imagine some kid might be obsessed with it, and, and you know, as kids are, and watch it mm. a billion times or whatever. But uh, there's always that spectre of, well, have you tried the original? Yeah. Yeah. And I just... I don't know. Even the little things I like from the the original, like Iago's pretty nothing in this. It was um, Alan Two Dicks. Yes, Iago, man with two dicks. Yeah, I uh, can't get a lot of on screen acting roles because <laughs> yeah. of the distraction of <laughs> yeah. dressing to both the left both, and right yeah, simultaneously. Yeah. yeah, but really good as a parrot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, again, Gilbert Gottfried is just so yeah. iconic. Yeah, that. How can you not feel that? And, mm. and that's the thing as well. There's going to be a billion different interpretations because we all love this thing. Everyone's going to have that part of the original where they go, oh, I really wish they'd done this. Like Suzanne mm. was mentioning things to me in the car on the way back, saying, oh, yeah. I really love this moment in the animated one and, and mm. I don't feel that they I replaced think, it with something that yeah, was strong enough. I think the bit that I was sitting there waiting for at the end and I was like, fuck, they're not going to do it. And then they kind of did do it and then they didn't do it great was the big um, Red Jafar genie. They just didn't... Mm. It wasn't as scary or big no, or crazy as it no. was in the... And, and you've cartoon. been dissing the um, 
Cave of Wonders for some time. Oh, it looked like trailers. fucking shit. Are you serious? Yeah, and you can't really get past the impact of watching the animated for the first time and mm. seeing it rise out of the sand. Like, I still remember seeing that for the first time because just the animation is so different and fluid because it was a different animation style that it just looked it so otherworldly. Yeah, it's one of the first CGI characters and it was just really And it was unbelievable. Stunning. And you see this and just the, it's, the cave's just there. It's not even that big. And that first scene where they send someone else into the cave, it's quite unclear in the film... What even happens? Yeah, there. You get, I mean, you get the impression that they just get crushed, but it's like, mm. yeah, you know, like I want to see that cave come out of the sand because it's magical and special, and you know. Well, let's take this a step further because I'm, I'm trying to get to the core of why this live-action adaptation doesn't work for me, and some of the other ones have. Mm. Because I tend to be a bit of a sucker for craft and for spectacle. Mm. Like, I really enjoyed the Be Our Guest in yeah. Beauty and the Beast. And I couldn't get there with this. There was no point where I could really just let go. This the- one felt... It just feels so green screeny. Like, it feels like they're in a small set with everything else kind of green screened around them. And I find that quite, quite distracting. I think there's this issue of having to take something familiar and pay tribute to that familiar thing and the thing that we liked, but also finding a way to make it impactful in live action. Mm. Like, how do you elevate it or change it in a way that it's going to really affect you? Mm. And I think a perfect example of that is Favreau's Jungle Book with the way that they handled the King Louis sequences. Mm. Because King Louis, we remember the original and you've got that great song and um, Louis Armstrong, it's, it's amazing. But then to go, okay, well, we're doing a movie. We're making these animals more realistic and to go, okay, we're just going to make him huge. We're going to make him this massive orangutan. Mm. Uh, he's going to be a, like a King Kong size thing. And we're going to make it spooky and ominous. We're going to put Christopher Walken in there. Mm. He's going to be a real threat. And it actually, affects you in a different way Mm. like you you still get the song which is awesome but then when there's that chase scene and this huge thing is bursting out it's really impactful on the big Mm. screen whereas i don't think this ever had a moment which was really awe-inspiring or even the fact that in jungle book idris elba is a really great shia khan combined with the design of the character He's actually a scary villain. The first time he comes on, he steals the screen and you, you're engaged. Whereas Jafar never did that for me. He didn't feel like a threat at all. Mm. He's just a, a really kind of um, quite a soft version of it, I thought. Mm, yeah, and I feel like it's it's going to be tough for them because I guess Jafar as a cartoon character has such a unique look that you're never going to be able to get a human person that, that, that looks like that. But... The downside is that Jafar just kind of looks like everybody else. He didn't have enough gravitas no. for me at all. I even think of Beauty and the Beast adaptation, which I know is a little more divisive maybe, but just from that opening where he's got that Jareth Goblin King mm. masquerade ball thing mm. and then there's that huge, powerful white glow of the Enchantress and them all cowering in the dark in mm. their masks in front of her. Mm. And you go, this is a really impactful big screen version 
that takes the themes and recreates them in a way that works in live action. Yeah. And I don't feel this ever took no. that kind of risk to give uh, us something that was stronger. Yeah, and I think it's about giving a live action movie its own unique personality away from the the animation where I don't think this one does like it tries as hard as it possibly can to be literally just a live action version of the original mm. and it doesn't it doesn't give you anything that different in any of the sequences where you know Beauty and the Beast does um, and Jungle Book definitely does and it's been a while since I've seen Cinderella but uh I think, and I think it's just the connection with the cast, really. Like, I enjoyed Lily James as, as Cinderella, and I just kind of didn't really connect with any of the yeah. any of the cast in this one. Suzanne, Suzanne was saying in the car on the way back about how it just needed to be turned up to eleven, and I kind of agree that in a way, I feel like it, these live all the live action movies need to be more of an acid trip. Like, sort of get rid of that softer framing sequence, go straight into a really dark, dirty, glorious version of Arabian Nights and Mm. put us in that opium-soaked, hyper-real, you know, fantasy, dark, twisted version. I don't don't mean dark, but just in, in the way that those stories tapped into your brain as a kid because all those Disney stories that I remember going and seeing as a kid had that really lurid, hyper, dark... I don't mean dark twisted Mm. in a Tim Burton, so dark (laughs) and twisted way. I I mean in the fact that Hunchback is dark and twisted. Parts Mm. of Snow White are dark and twisted. Pinocchio's fucking surreal. Fantasia's surreal. Like, I want that not to feel like it's something that's kind of glossy and flimsy and... Yeah, came out of a factory because they're kind of trying to tell you that the city's you know suffering and it's poor and stuff, and all you see is some slightly dirty children who yeah. otherwise look fairly fine. Yeah. So I yeah I don't know. He showed them his date. Mm, he did. His his monkey put his date under his hat. <laughs> sure Very did. flexible monkey. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good good golly. <laughs> all right. Well, that's Aladdin. Yeah, I, uh, I'm giving it two and a half. Yeah, I gave it two and a half too. I think um, I was thinking like on my drive home, like was there enough there that I would give it a three, which is like a six out of ten? It's like not really. Like no, it's right in the middle. It is. It is right in the middle. Like there's nothing hugely redeeming about it's it. It's competent, but it's not passionate. It's not. Mm taking us to new areas and it's not reinventing the material in a way that makes us consider it differently yeah. or gives us a new relationship with it. Mm. So, yeah. Sorry, a shame, sorry Disney. We love you, but yeah. uh, try harder. Makes me very, after really, after liking most of the live actions now, um, I have concerns for Mulan now, which is one that I was really looking forward to. And I think Lion King, you think, well, why do it then? It has to sort of double down on the savagery. Yeah, like... Like, doesn't it? Like, you have to... Because I don't think they're doing many of the songs, I don't think. Like, you have to be kind of, oh, fuck, when these animals are fighting and growling and and stuff. You have to feel threatened by the animals. I think it's the Mm. only way it's going to work. Yeah. Like, if you're going to make it more real, then you have to make all those emotions and and all the fear and all Mm. the... Like, everything has to be more real. Yeah, I think the thing that people love most about Lion King really is the musical sequences, and I think they're taking out a lot of those. So I, I don't know what they're 
what their game really is. Like, I want to see them do Be Prepared and have it this crazy, like, you know, like in the in the animation where it's this, like, you know, Nazi parade thing with the hyenas marching and, and that sort of thing. Like, they, I, I want to see that, but I, I just don't yeah. know that I'm going to. I know you want the Nazi parade. That's a frequent criticism of films from you yeah where yeah okay but where's the nazi parade i know i i feel like uh downton abbey is going to be a disappointment yeah. for me because it's yeah well uh, i mean it's it's pre-world war Two, so maybe i know it ruined mamma mia too <laughs> see that you're taking the joke too far because i haven't seen mamma mia too yeah i know why too. <laughs> Okay, let's do the What to Watch Challenge. Costume designers. This time, it's a film with costumes by Edith Head. An old-timey, golden age of Hollywood costume designer. And also the inspiration, I believe, for Edna Mode. Oh, you're right. Mm. I thought it was that... Isn't that Anna Anna Winter? Doesn't she have that kind of haircut thing going on? Pretty sure it's uh, Edith Head. If you okay. look at pictures of Edith Head too, oh, that's fine. Yeah, well, I haven't looked at pictures of Edith Head. Uh, I'm just looking at her costuming mm. in uh, in these films. I did Roman Holiday, Audrey Hepburn, Audrey, yes. Gregory Peck. So what what's the deal? Uh, so princess of a uh, they're extremely deliberately vague about what European country she is from. Um, they never ever name it. Like every American movie <laughs> featuring a princess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's going on a you know tour of the European nations just to I don't know hang out and uh, she's very sick of being a princess because it's very restrictive and it sucks and it's shit and. Um, She's being a hysterical woman, so the male doctor gives her a sedative. And, um, Hysterectomy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, after she's had the sedative, um, she hasn't felt the effects yet, but she's like, you know what, fuck all these guys, I'm going to go out and party. And so she climbs out her window and then she's just walking around the streets and then, like, the sedative kicks in and she, like, falls asleep on the street and then gets found by uh, Gregory Peck, who is a journalist in... Where are they? In Rome. In Rome. <laughs> Funnily enough. Um, Nailing he, it. <laughs> uh, anyway, he finds her and he takes her home because there's this weird drunk woman that he can't, you know, can't get two words out of. And they end up having a very nice time together. He takes her and shows her around um, Rome. And uh, she gets to be not a princess for a day. And uh, he pretends that he doesn't know who she is, even though he's a journalist. And he's secretly pitching a story to his editor about how he's going to get all this exclusive content from the princess. And, and um, yeah, is basically duping her, but in the end decides that he won't dupe her and will be noble. This is the prototype for every Hallmark movie ever. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, I quite liked it. It was it was sweet. And uh, does he show her his Gregory Pecker? No, he doesn't. He's actually very like really like. Look, I don't want I don't want to take you home. And she gets back there. He's like, can I have a drink? And he's like, I'm not giving you any alcohol. Like you can sleep on the couch. Like go 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 away. Like, um, but I think as far as the design goes, the the design for her sort of going out sightseeing costume is that um, the scarf and the white blouse with the sleeves rolled up and the skirt, which is like an A-line skirt, I think. And it's just such an iconic sort of outfit and, and silhouette. And she has the hair cut short and, and that. 
And I was always already like, okay, this is a really iconic look. This is amazing. And I didn't realize that skirt has pockets. She's strolling through this uh, Roman marketplace with her hands in her pockets, just chilling. And I'm like, this is brilliant. Edith Head, MVP for putting pockets in that skirt. Your head is in the right place. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I think the interesting thing about these black and white films is that obviously they're dressing for... Contrast. Silhouette and contrast, yeah. yeah. So they're, um, yeah. That I mean, I've got no idea what color any of these things are, but um, yeah, they they look so great and stand out. And obviously, the men are just wearing suits, boring suits. They're all baby shit brown, but mm-hmm. that was the beauty of black and white film. You could get the fabric really cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get the sense that she's sort of sleek, stylish, simple. Mm. Like I. I and I get the sense, looking at her as well, that she's not fucking around mm. with any... Uh, not putting frills on things. I watched Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, mm-hmm. which is from the early 80s, and it's actually the last film that she contributed to. Mm-hmm. And she died just before its release, so the film is dedicated to her. It's a noir parody where Steve Martin plays a private eye who goes on a case, and um, she's the designer in a number of different ways because it's actually a film which mixes in a whole lot of footage from all these famous black and white movies Mm -hmm. Uh, and Steve Martin is kind of inserted into those films not in a clever way because it was the early 80s Forrest Gump kind of way (laughs) well not even that it's more really shots of Steve Martin and then shots of them and then shots so he's not actually walking around the film yeah right that's like the um, the Godzilla film that I mistakenly watched earlier where they would just cut around the actors or over the shoulder shots or on the telephone a lot of the time Mm -hmm. he has conversations with characters Mm. so she sort of doubles double duty because she would have done the costuming for some of these movies Mm. that are used with archival footage but she also did make the suits for Mm. steve martin as well so uh yeah it's interesting um one like you forget and no one should forget but you forget how fucking great steve martin Mm. was at his height and i think if anyone's forgetting that just has to watch him do the dentist song in Little Shop of Horrors, because uh, he's fucking amazing. <laughs> and he has some really funny deadpan moments in this thing. It's completely dated and inappropriate, and he um, basically sexually assaults a couple of people in mm-hmm. the opening for laughs. Mm. But I was actually surprised by the lack of weird sexual stuff yeah. in, in this film, or just even just uh, like uh, assumptions of characters. But yeah, the premise is good, and it made me sort of think, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing something like this done now with the technology to really put people into situations. Of course, I want that to be the Loki series. I want Loki to just travel around with the Tesseract and go Mm -hmm. into different TV shows and movies Mm -hmm. and just show up and change events and then bugger off. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun and would might make me actually watch (laughs) Loki. Mm -hmm. Of course, I am going to watch it, but... uh, I'm, I'll struggle a little. Uh, he's not my favourite, but uh, a lot of people like him. Uh, I'm talking about Loki now, and I'm lost. Let's talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah, let's do it. The Game of Thrones finale happened. We're going to talk about it now with spoilers. If you don't want to hear that, 
that's fine. Thank you for listening. And you can go to fruitlesspursuits.com to find out everything we're doing. Links to our Facebook discussion page. We'd love to hear from you. That's the Fruitless Pursuits podcast discussion page. Uh, go and listen to other podcasts that I do, like Dungeons and Drongos. And also go and see the Dungeons and Drongos live show if you're in Perth. It is one week away today. It is the public holiday, Monday, June 3rd. 3 p.m. at the Claremont Showgrounds as part of Southern Hemisphere Open, and uh, that's by Objective Secured. So go to objectivesecured.com to get your tickets to the con, and your tickets to the con will include our show because we're doing it for free. Mm. And uh, we're looking forward to that very much. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And if you don't mind Game of Thrones spoilers... You can find out what we thought of it all now. It was pretty lose-lose this episode, wasn't it? No one was ever going to be 100% happy with what how it all wrapped up. I have been, especially like in that penultimate episode, mm. I've been really defensive of Game of Thrones mm. this season because people have, I, th- I think, have been very hyperbolic on the other end of it mm. and saying how, you know, I wish I could stab my eyes out and forget that it ever happened and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, oh, I can't wait for George Martin to, to do it properly. And it's like, yeah, but he did, you know, it might have been bullet points. I don't know. But he did yeah. sign off on all this. Yeah. Like, this yeah. this is what he said. So, uh, and, you know, and I've, I've said, like, stop fucking criticizing it, you dicks. Mm. Because I'd rather watch it than hear you criticize it. That said, yeah, I've got criticisms of this. Mm. But, you know, I didn't love it. But despite that, I still love those boys. Benny often... The other one. <laughs> Weiss. Weiss, yeah. Like, to then be like, oh, they can't write this shit. Oh, I hate them. No, they've done a fucking great job. Mm. They've done an impossible task. They've changed the television landscape. Mm. It's been a huge job. As you said, it was complete lose-lose. They yeah. said they were going to get very drunk and be away from the internet. Yeah. And um, I'd, I- co- I'd completely forgotten how much they have actually written beyond the books because i've got a, a workmate that was reading the books and he said no 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 john's john has only just died mm. in the books and that's where that book finished and i was like holy shit so mm. much has happened since then so i'm really impressed with them mm. uh, i thought that yeah it was a bit of a limp last episode for me mm. i would hope that because game of thrones at various times, has really, like, really grabbed me and made me go, oh, fuck, what's happening? Or and made me feel sick or made me mm. feel shocked. And I didn't have any of those big emotions in the finale. And you would think that you would, but they never got that out of me. And no. I mean, I thought it was, I think, I assumed it was always just going to feel like a bit of a wrap-up epilogue kind of yeah. thing. I, I never expected to have huge moments, really. A lot of the stuff that I expected to happen did happen um and you know a lot of the stuff that i i didn't know was just kind of that character padding this is this is where we're leaving them kind of thing it's so difficult isn't it because it, it, in part you sort of go oh well this this aspect felt rushed but at the same time can you say after eight seasons you know nine years of this stuff mm. can you say that anything's rushed i mean is well, there I- a point where you just like get down and do it or do you have to stretch everything like i don't know i feel mm-hmm. like that they obviously signed up as this was the last season yeah. and they had a timeline in place and they did what they had to do to mm. get it out there i think 
I and everyone had different expectations, as you said. You weren't going to please everybody. Mm. I really wanted something savage to happen because Game of Thrones can be very cruel. Mm. And I wanted something really shocking that left everyone feeling a bit ill. And it didn't happen. And I understand no. that it, why it didn't happen. I think that would have probably been even more dissatisfying to people because, you know, when Daenerys flipped a wig, everybody was upset about that in ways that I wouldn't have imagined. So, mm. you know, I get it. But, um, you know, and look, I'm a big Daenerys fan. We knew that she was going to get killed. Everybody, including the audience and excluding Danny, knew what was going to happen in that mm-hmm. scene. Mm. It was really the meeting scene that kind of lost it for me when they all got together to talk about what they were going to do. Yeah, though I, I like that scene in a way because it was all along, for months and months and months, people have been like, well, you know, they can't fuck it up. It's not like they're going to make Bran King. And then that's exactly what they did. So that I actually found that quite funny because I knew the internet was going to have an absolute meltdown over it. And, you know, Tyrion doing his big speech about Bran and the great story and blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, but it's not Bran anymore. I think that's the thing for me is that too many elements have to be shoved into place mm. at that last bit. And it kind of breaks any sort of internal logic. Like, I think there was potential for a really powerful moment when Tyrion throws the hand badge down Mm. the stairs because he's made a a big decision Mm. there. And really, he was already on his absolute last chance. She told him that. Mm. I think he should have died then. And I think he... when he threw that badge, I felt like he was making the... He was making the choice to yeah, die. He, he, he didn't knew. have a plan. Yeah. yeah. So the idea that they would then keep him alive for weeks afterwards... Mm. When she's proven that, you know, she's she will get rid of people straight away. And in her very, very public moment of victory, mm. he undermined her in front of everyone. Yeah. And proved that, yet again, that he could not be trusted. Mm. So... In the same way that I don't know why they kept Jamie alive all the time. Like, it, well, I know why, obviously. It was to, cause for story reasons. Mm. But it undermined her, and then it undermined Grey Worm after her death because he comes out and says, you know, you're not here to talk, but go on, do a monologue. Yeah. And he was just limp at that point. It was like, well, you've now castrated this character again. And all half of those people in that tent are like, we're here for Daenerys, you know, we pledged to Daenerys. And then he's like, uh, how about Bran? And they're like, yeah, all right. Mm. And I was like, what, really? And then, it's in fact, it's only his sister that goes, yeah, nah, yeah. we'll do our own thing. And by the way, his dick don't work, which, come on. Yeah, that's... In that, front of everybody? That's a pretty low blow. Um, but yeah, I think the difference is that, like, Sansa kind of knows his deal and she's going you know what i don't want some like crazy fucking thousand year old deity ruling over my kingdom thank you so creepy bran you can go and rule down there and we'll keep our shit up here it's so strange as well because Tyrion these last few episodes has really been pushing this john it has to you have to do it Mm. you're the one that knows what's right you would make the right choice you're the rightful heir. Mm. It has to be you. It has to be you. It has to be you. And then he says, how about Bran? Mm. And you're like, what? Didn't you say, mm. John, you're not going to fight for John? But no, he's not going to fight for John. He says Bran, basically because the throne's been melted. And he's mm. like, okay, who's got the coolest chair? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, oh, Bran does. Yeah. And Bran's just like looking around King's Landing Vacantly. going... Vacantly. We're going to rebuild this like a fucking skate park. Yeah. And it'd be ramps everywhere. Mm. Yeah. And it I, sort of leaves King's Landing in the most vulnerable position it's ever been in. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bizarre because you can't imagine that Yara and the Iron Islands are like stoked by these developments. Um, and I read that it was it was Yara and the Martell Prince, the the, the Dawn Dornish Prince, that were the most resistant to you know the the non Daenerys option. Mm. So I mean the the Dawn you know the Martells aren't going to do shit. They just want to drink and fuck. Um, but Yara, you know, she's angry. She's lost her brother. She's, she got, like, two seconds of fucking screen time in the last couple of episodes of this thing. Like, she, uh, yeah, she's not gonna, not gonna be happy. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can, I, sorry, go on. I think the, um, the, there's so many weird decisions that just seem like they just want to shoehorn certain characters back in. Like, the small council. Like, who the fuck is putting Bronn in charge of money? Yes. No, like, that, that's what I mean about them being vulnerable. <laughs> You've got, basically, that scene. They're Westeros' version of the office at this mm. point. And you think it's only going to take one of them to have a bad day. Or even just the fucking Dothraki that are still hanging around mm. could take over at this point. Because it's just become a sort of weird joke. Mm. The only way, I think, by the time they got to the meeting, that I would have accepted a ending that would have made me go, Oh, yeah would have been if Drogon had just flown over the top of that meeting and just torched everyone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the end was just Drogon flying off with the three-eyed raven fluttering next to him as they mm-hmm. went off into the horizon. Just this idea of, like, all this politicking of men is futile. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beasts are in control now. Yeah, and I think it was so lame to have, like... You know, Bran wheels in and they go, oh, where's Drogon? He's like, oh, I'll find him. And then fucks off. And it's like, okay, great. We're going to see a shot of Bran walking the dragon? Nah. Nah. Yeah, we're we, we, we used up too much budget showing your fucking ghost again. So John could pat him. Yeah. And we should be tying up all the loose ends. Don't yeah, you can't have a, 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 a missing dragon. Like, it's a pretty big part of the fucking show. Yeah, and him to go, well, I'm going to go investigate that. It's like, well, no, don't. Um, like if you're done with it leave it yeah because if there's no story following mm. and then Brienne even though she got like pumped and dumped <laughs> she's writing in the book to sort of honour him and it's like no he was a fucking prick to you yeah the the bit that I didn't like about that scene is that you know maybe it's like poor taste or whatever I mean she is um, head of the King's Guard now which great brilliant I love it but I just I just wanted to, her to turn over that next page and write her name at the top. That's I. That's a, such a tiny thing that I wanted out of that scene. I wanted to write he had a tiny cock. No, that's not. That's not his heroic. They're meant to be writing his heroic exploits. But he did her a badness. He did her a badness. But obviously, she has forgiven him in her heart. And I mean, he did save her life. Like even if he gave her a bad dickin, still saved her life from the bear. That was a long time ago. It was, I mean, it was a long time ago, but he still saved her. Yeah. 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 He lost his hand for her. Mm, you're a Jamie apologist. Well, I mean, you know, the, he had redeeming qualities. Not in the end, obviously. I thought that scene, that scene was very sad when, when Tyrion went down and, and found his brother. 
crushed under the... I mean, he wasn't that crushed, was he? They looked pretty good underneath all those stones. Yeah. Dead, but, like, intact. Yeah. That's Fortune. why, you know, it felt thematically, to me at least, to mm. this backseat driver, mm. that he should then go and commit suicide, essentially, by mm. handing over that yeah. that badge. Mm. But no, the people that you thought would live and be happy were... Yeah. And, like... I mean, I didn't expect John to get exiled. That was... But then he just... But then he doesn't even need to get exiled. That's the thing. Like, the only person asking for him to be exiled is fucking Grey Worm. Grey Worm's queen is dead, essentially. He has an army, but he doesn't have, like, power. And as soon as he leaves, everyone's just go, well, okay, John, you can do what you want now. Yeah, and Grey Worm fucking backflipped with Tyrion. Mm. He needs to be punished. Oh, his punishment will be... Doing the job I want him to do. All right. Yeah. But and I mean, really, if do that with John too. If the wall, if the wall is in the north, and Sansa controls the north, then he can just hang out wherever he wants in the north, which is all that he really wants anyway. Bran could have been like, "Oh, yeah, John will have to wipe my bum." Hmm. Okay, fine, he can. Anyway, the bastard like goes up there, goes through the front door, sneaks out the back door, hmm. off to hang out with the wildlings. Yeah, which is again not a punishment. Like he yeah. just like I, don't, I mean I don't know what John actually wants. Like I have no idea what the fuck he wants out of life. So I don't know if John is happy. You never know if John is happy. He's always fucking frowning. So maybe he's happy with this. He just cruises around in the woods with his friend and his dog. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. John was look for a character that was in this thing like the whole way. I have no idea if he's. Uh, ambitions or character trajectory really you know it would make it better if John was John Wick and Deadpool was in it (laughs) yeah um yeah I don't know and I mean it's fucked to tease that are you going off and being an explorer because now I want to see that show well I was reading in uh somewhere that anyone who tries to go west Mm. gets sucked into the sea and dies straight away Okay. So, well, might, she did. Might be a pretty short show. Yeah. It is if she just sails and then just comes up in the the east of the eastern kingdoms and it's like, oh shit. Oh, back it's... on the other side like Pac Man. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she's just like, oh, this place is shit and full of desert and, the and Dothraki and yeah. Pulls out and the yeah. world is a long tube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. It's a, the sausage-shaped planet mm-hmm. of R.R. Uh, R. Martin. Mm. Yeah, so look, I, I finished the episode and went, yeah, okay. Like, that's pretty much yeah, the only reaction you can have at the, end of, at the end of that. And I think people are getting so like, whoa, it was terrible. But, but then a lot of other people are going, oh, but remember this season finale from this other show and this season finale? Like, and they're like, List me how many shows that you have been invested in for this period of time that you have felt incredibly satisfied with the season finale, yeah. and nobody could. No, and it is a sign of just how invested people are yeah. in the series, and uh, that is because of the phenomenal work that has been done throughout, mm. so I'm never going to be like, oh, those guys are shit, they can't do anything. No, they, they actually did a lot, and yeah. uh, they did a really great job, and I'm excited to see what they do next with Star Wars. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Good on them. Good on them. 
yeah i hope they get to have a nice long holiday i don't know when their star wars stuff is going to be starting but I hope i'm that, sure it already has i hope that i hope they get to have a nice break with their, with their wi-fi turned off i doubt it <laughs> yeah oh but that's it i mean you hear that from the creatives all the time you just can't be a part of it mm. you just got to do what you think and uh which is funny isn't it because like you're, making a, you're the, making a product for people, but then you have to also ignore the people that you're making a product for. But I think as well, like, when you see all the inspirational bullshit that people post everywhere about believing in yourself and, mm. you know, do what's right and for you and then not worry about what other people think and all that sort of stuff. And then when people do that, yeah, people have a fit. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if people are hypocrites on the internet. That's true. Yeah. Gosh, what a revelation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you, Game of Thrones. Uh, that was a really great ride. I'm going to miss it, and I'm looking forward yeah. to the Naomi Watts-led sequel. Prequel. Prequel. Prequel, yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be um, that'll be great. I, I am going to miss discussing it with people and yeah. theories. And, and I think that was why it was so lose-lose, because people have spent... You know, it's probably nine years now because we skipped yeah, that is. year yeah. um, theorizing of what could happen, and people have come up with some pretty great stuff that yeah, then didn't happen. But you know, that's and that's, that's, part of that's the, the way it works, really. You know, and, and people have to accept that that is part of the experience that the show gave you. Mm. People act like that is something that, like that experience, doesn't happen without the show. The show needs yeah. to be there for that. And that's something I always try and get across with my love of Star Wars to people. Mm. It's not just the movies. It's not just what happens between the opening and closing credits. Mm. It's the whole experience surrounding it, which is the anticipation, the talking, the merchandise, Mm. the speculation, the theories, the games, the stories, all that stuff. And Game of Thrones certainly gave us all that as well. Mm. And... uh, became something that um yeah we're very excited to actually watch on the day that it came out instead of uh everything else which uh well, just watch whenever i mean you kind of had to watch it on the day it came out didn't you because um the there was no two-week spoiler ban for uh no for game of thrones like endgame it was like i had to stop um following leslie jones on twitter because she was just live tweeting that shit the whole time and mm. i was just like oh sorry this is not happening yeah yeah come on leslie other countries out there too. It's mm, fucking Americans, man. Okay, now we're at the point of the podcast where I'm just telling off Leslie Jones. I'm pretty sure doesn't listen, so maybe we should fuck off. Yeah, tinkety tonk. <laughs>